Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Friday, y'all. Thanks for being part of our Let's Go There family. We made it through the week. We really did. We sure did. And hats off. Pat yourself on the back. Give yourself, I mean, something savory and sweet and delicious Mm. just so you can say you deserved it. It's also President-elect Biden's birthday. Oh, okay. Well, shout out to Joe Biden. You know, he is the oldest living president that we've ever had in American history. It's wild. Yep. (laughs) He uh, was born November 20th, 1942, 78 years young. I mean, three days after my grandmother, but she's older. She's 84. Happy birthday to Ryan's grandmother, too. Now, coming up on the show, it is Transgender Day of Remembrance today, and we're going to be highlighting some amazing trans organizations on the show that you should know about. And of course, it wraps up Trans Awareness Week as well. But let's get into what's trending this hour. During the White House press conference today, President Trump had this to say again. This is not an easy thing to do. Big Pharma ran millions of dollars of negative advertisements against me during the campaign which I won, by the way, but, you know, we'll find that out. Uh, almost 74 million votes. We had Big Pharma against us. We had the media against us. We had Big Tech against us. Uh, we had a lot of dishonesty against us. The tragedy continued. <laughs> it's tragic. Uh, I don't even know what the theater that we have to witness. I mean, Shakespeare couldn't even write this. Yeah. It continued when Kaylee McEnany said this to CNN reporter Caitlin Collins, who was trying to ask a question as it all ended. Thank you, everyone, for the very good and substantive questions today. So, yeah, this is where we're at, where journalists are being called activists for asking questions. <laughs> yeah, it's so disgusting and so gross. And this was the first press conference since, I believe, October 1st. And so the fact that they didn't allow any of the reporters to ask, like, they should allow all of the reporters to ask questions because, well, duh, we haven't heard from you all. So why would you not ask, you know, answer the questions that everyone wants to know? It's ridiculous. Also, is it just me or is it strange that she's both press secretary and also Fox News contributor? No, I think that's actually, I, I think that's might be the, the most normal thing that is we could say about this administration. Because everyone is. Yeah, no, but like she's actually a correspondent for a network. Yeah. And then she's calling out the con- competitor network for being activists. And she's also supposed to 
represent all of the press. She's supposed to be there for mm. all the press. Anyway, it's all I feel messy. like that is so normal, but maybe you never know, to be honest. There's no rules when it comes to this administration. No, unfortunately. I don't think it's normal. Now, this is breaking news. Multiple people are reported to be injured in a shooting at the Mayfair Mall in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Police responded to an emergency incident at the mall that's outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The town's mayor, Dennis McBride, told ABC News that there was an active shooter and that there are multiple injuries. McBride also said that none of the victim's injuries appear to be life-threatening and the suspect is at large. Now, Donald Trump Jr., the president's eldest son, has reported that he has COVID-19. He tests positive for COVID-19. And this comes from a spokesperson who said Don tested positive at the start of the week and has been quarantining out at his cabin since the result. He's been completely asymptomatic so far and is following all medically recommended COVID-19 guidelines. So, yeah, it seems like more people on that side of things have gotten COVID. And I wonder why. I wonder if there's a correlation between not following guidelines and not wearing masks. Oh, I'm just I'm, saying. I mean, I'm happy you're worried about that. To be honest, I was wondering what else was in his bloodstream that he tested positive for. I really want to know. Zing. All right, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? So Sia won't face the music surrounding her new movie. And this is what we call the T-Report, those pop culture stories that are trending right now. So she, so she debuted the trailer for her film, Music, starring Kate Hudson, Leslie Odom Jr., Maddie Ziegler, yesterday, and basically immediately faced criticism for casting Maddie Ziegler as a character with autism, even though she's not autistic in real life. One one fan tweeted, it's a mighty shame that someone with such a colossal platform is using it to exclude disabled and neurodiverse actors from their own narratives. I've been a longtime fan of your work, so this is really disappointing. Now, Sia was most definitely very defensive, of course, and her response to the criticism was not good. Um, yeah, she continued to go on and on and going back and forth, which was kind of really gross. And she actually ended up tweeting effity f why don't you watch my film before you judge it and she even went back and forth with an autistic actress and she ended up talking about like she ended up responding to it basically saying maybe you're just a bad actor and she's just super defensive it's not good um but how about you guys let us know what you think at lgt show everywhere because the movie will be released in february 2021 and it's described as a cinematic experience from sia and follows the story of music a young teen with autism and that is your team report maddie ziegler's made enough from sia can you just like hire someone else <laughs> Exactly. Now, coming up, even Tucker Carlson is starting to question where all this voter fraud evidence is. The clip next in two minutes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Fox News host Tucker Carlson yesterday called out Trump campaign attorney Sidney Powell. For more than a week, Powell has been all over conservative media with the following story. This election was stolen by a collection of international left who manipulated vote tabulating software in order to flip millions of votes from Donald Trump to Joe Biden. Now, that's pretty surprising. During a press conference earlier that day uh, with Rudy Giuliani, Powell made the allegation that Denver-based Dominion Voting Systems used tech developed by former Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez, who died in 2013. She claimed votes were manipulated while being tabulated overseas to favor President-elect Joe Biden. This is their latest argument. And back with us is Richard Fowler, Fox News contributor on this beautiful Friday. Thank you for joining us. It's good to be back with you guys. It's been a minute. It, it has. We miss you. So 
when Carlson even calls out the Trump campaign, do we know things have really gone off the deep end? I mean, let's just start with this press conference. I mean, Ryan from gay boy to gay boy, that hair dye. I mean, can we just talk about the hair dye for a minute? No, you know what? I, know, I, I can't give it I that I want attention. to get to the news of it. But I just wish that there was a nice gay man in Rudy Giuliani's life to be like, okay, so there's a thing called fibers. You spray mm -hmm. them in, you know. No, Richard, there was a nice gay boy who was upset with him and collecting a check and allowed that to happen to him. That's what I saw. That's how I interpreted it. Because I would have okay. took the check then just had the die just, you know, doing what it was doing. But I mean, I found this really surprising that Carlson was actually calling them out and asking for oh, evidence. Look, because at some point in time, everybody wants to know the truth. And the truth is, is, the truth is simple. The Trump campaign has no evidence. And they know that. They know they have no evidence. The president has nothing that would stand up in the court of law. And as a result, he knows he's not going to be president. He knows he will not be sworn in. That's why all any reputable law firm has withdrawn working for the, for the Trump campaign. And now he's left with Rudy Giuliani, the lady you just mentioned, and a couple of other a ragtag bunch, because that's the only thing you could call them at this point, <laughs> of attorneys who are holding up these baseless claims that can't be held up in court. And when you ask them, when you ask the Trump campaign, it, at, at the press briefing today, when you ask Kayleigh McEnany, they don't have any answers to which one of these claims, where is the evidence that points to any of your claims that can overturn the results of this election? Oh, they don't have one. Yeah, but Richard, now I have to bring the attention to the Biden-Harris, you know, administration, this transition team. Three hours ago, Joe Biden basically was asking earlier today for people to help fund, you know, because Trump is refusing to concede and they need more money. And he's asking the American people to fund this. When are Democrats going to step up and, in my opinion, kind of grow a spine and get that man out of there? Like, what do they need to do? Joe Biden was asked this question yesterday at a press conference where he was asked whether or not he would take legal action against the Trump White House. Uh, and, and rightfully so. And, and I sense your impatience, right? And I, I understand that feeling. I understand where that feeling comes from. But to some extent, we, we all have to understand that the court process takes time. And what the Biden and what the transition team is saying is like, look, we could sit here and we could play, we could get in the gutter with Donald Trump. Or as Michelle Obama says, we can go low with the president of the United States who continues to basically hold our economy and our country and the health of our country in limbo, or we can continue to move forward. And I think the Biden campaign is making a choice here to say we are going to move forward, understanding that Trump, the, the GSA, the General Service Administration, the person that procured that sort of procure this money and distribute this money to the Trump campaign, to distribute this money to the transition team, we could play this game with them and take them to court, but that would take time. Yeah. Right. And this is exactly what Trump wants. He wants this headline of him fighting with Biden in court or the American people could do the right thing. And we could just show that Trump is ineffective. He's silly. And he is trying. He's the only person that's standing in the way of our democracy and the American people are. Again, you're hearing the voice of Richard Fowler, Fox News contributor. Is he just doing all of this at Trump, according to actor Ed Norton, so that he can cut a Nixon-style deal in exchange for finally conceding? I wouldn't say it's a Nixon-style deal. I just think that Donald Trump is a sore loser. And he's, according to some folks yeah. on the inside, he <laughs> is giving its democratic payback for the fact that, you know, we basically never legitimized his election, even though he's currently the president. Others say it's because he feels that he makes sure there's no stone unturned. But I'm sorry, can clear. I just say this? 
the American people are dying. The American people are poor. The American people are trying to reel in from the financial effects of coronavirus. I honestly don't think we have time to just watch a like a child have a temper tantrum. It just feels like patience is out the window. We are past mm-hmm. that point. We are past of saving the soul of the country, as Joe Biden, you know, says at the top of every speech he ever says. It's just like, where is the actual action? And who knows if you have the answer, Richard, but what do you think about that i just feel like we need to move quicker than what we're doing because it is killing people i get it i understand your frustration and i think it's valid because there are far too many americans dying covid19 is on the spread and i think all you're hearing from the trump administration is oh we have a vaccine and they're not having the conversations about how you have an effective transition at this point in time the only thing i can say to you ryan honestly Uh, is that history will record this and history will note that Donald Trump, not only was he one of America's worst presidents (laughs) of the 46 that we have, we currently have, or we'll have 46. And he didn't even own slaves. Right? But beyond (laughs) that, he will go go down in history as having a quarter million Americans, probably more than that, die on his watch. We're just part of another season of his reality show. (laughs) All right, Richard Fowler, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank y'all. You can find Mr. Richard on Fox News Channel as a contributor. He does great stuff and he's on the good side. Okay, coming up, new COVID-19 restrictions hit LA County today. What you need to know next in two minutes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. L.A. County residents are getting ready for new COVID-19 restrictions being enforced as of today. L.A. County Department of Public Health officials said, quote, dangerous acceleration of cases that are increasing at a higher rate than the July surge. That's right now happening here. Okay, beware. And back with us is Wylam Weiss, assistant to the mayor of L.A. to dig into this with us. Thanks for joining us today on this Friday. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I mean, just that quote seems very worrisome. And yet I feel like no one has a sense of this happening. It feels like everyone's just like kind of acting pretty normal right now, like they were a a month ago. There is an irony, an interesting irony to this whole thing, because actually the numbers indicate that the majority of the new cases actually are of the younger generation, 40 and under, not a spiking on older people. So there's clearly a case of a sort of uh, either a combination of fatigue and maybe some reluctance to admit that being young does not make you immune from the virus. Mm. Do you think that we've kind of loosened up and not saying specifically California or LA County, but do you think we've loosened up on the rules a little bit? And this is kind of why we're seeing these cases spike? Partially. Again, a lot of it has to do simply with uh, several factors. A lot of it also just being simply just COVID fatigue. Uh, History tends to repeat itself, as we all know. And in almost every pandemic, the second wave tends to be much worse than the first because of complacency of exhaustion right. uh, and it's trying to ingrain in people's heads that the virus doesn't take a vacation it doesn't take a break just because it's after the election or something that this is going to be here to stay until proper mitigating factors come in like a vaccine which looks to be coming up very soon yeah so wylam what are the actual restrictions that are being put in place and how long will they be around so currently right now uh there will be a curfew extended to non-essential businesses basically restaurants bars breweries That will start in effect tonight at 10 p.m. It goes on to 5 p.m. Outdoor gatherings only for restaurants and bars uh, for a maximum of of 50%, uh, no more, no less. If you are doing anything of a specific uh, personal nature, like uh, a haircut, uh, you have to make an appointment. There will be no walk-ins allowed. 
And also, uh, if it requires you to remove your mask, say like a facial or a shave, those will just not be happening altogether. And this will go on for at least a month. Right now, it's basically going from the 21st of this month to the beginning of 21st of December. It may be extended if the numbers don't go the way we want it to. Mm. All right. Again, you're hearing from the assistant to the mayor of L.A., Wylam Weiss, as we talk about these new restrictions being enforced to L.A. County residents. I mean, after hearing that, the first thing that comes to my mind is obviously rent relief and money to help out every individual here that's going to be experiencing something like that. Are you all working on that? Is there anything, any chatter around those cases and those causes? There is definite, there's definite uh, talk about this uh, again this will likely come if there's another stay-at-home order that needs to be issued which right now is a very likely scenario if that comes down we will discuss again proper rent relief uh, for residents uh, right now we don't have that because right now you're still allowed to go to work uh, if need be but that would if things change like that and they very might possibly will then we will act accordingly I have a really quick follow-up I so I guess when you're saying we're it's most likely that we're going to end up having another shutdown. Why wait? What's kind of the middle ground here where we're in this gray area? Well, mostly what we're trying to do is we're trying to keep the economy afloat while trying to do our best to protect the citizens as much as possible. We don't want to have to resort to a full-on shutdown if we don't have to, because obviously full-on shutdowns cause economic hardship. More importantly, we're trying to say this is a last case resort. We can only do the stay-at-home order if we really cannot get this under control. So we're asking every citizen in both the city and the county, please do your part to slow the numbers down. The faster we slow these numbers down, the better we can start getting to some form of normality again as vaccines start to come out and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Are you looking at any other counties and how they're handling this? Are there any counties that are doing this really well? You know, ironically enough, there were San Francisco County was actually doing quite well for a while. And we were kind of trying to understand how they were doing it. But unfortunately, it looks like almost the entire state is suffering the same problems as we mm. are now. It's not just related to one or two counties. In fact, all of the Southern California counties are now back in the purple tier with the exception of a very few northern counties in the upper part of California, almost everybody now is in a purple tier. So this is going to have to be a statewide collective action move. Now, our governor, he did get into a little bit of a flub up. <laughs> now, you know, people are saying, well, if he's not doing it, why do I need to follow the rules? What do you have to say to that? Well, I will definitely say that was very, very bad optics. Uh, <laughs> that did not help our cause. Um, I'm hoping that he has learned his lesson himself. Mm -hmm. That, you know, you should preach and do what you, you know, at the same time. Right. Um, there's a legality issue there, which is you may not have actually violating laws. But again, yes, obviously, considering that everybody has a camera these days, probably not the best idea. But let's not take this one incident as a proof that somehow like none of this actually matters. People do make mistakes. People sometimes make really bad mistakes in this case. Uh, it's not surprising. But let this not be a lesson that somehow that we can just do what we want because our governor made one judgment error. He is not immune to this virus. No one is immune to this virus. And we need to take this very, very seriously. Okay, well, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. That was Wylam Weiss, assistant to the mayor of L.A. Now, coming up, why we should cancel the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree for good. We're going to be debating that next in two minutes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Should we end the Rockefeller Christmas tree trends? Now, according to one writer, Brian Kahn at Gizmodo, it's time to end this tradition for good. 
I'm so annoyed with this conversation already. Really? All right, yes, let's get into it. Let's like, like, um, this is what he had to say that kind of reflects his position on this. This year's tree reflects something more than our national mood. It reflects the absolutely toxic relationship we have with the natural world oh and the need God. to rapidly reverse course. If this year's tree sees any justice, it's that it should be the last. Oh my God. Is someone playing the world's smallest violin in the room? Like, who cares? It's a Christmas tree. Yeah, but let's also like look at the tradition. This started actually, if we go way back to the Great Depression, when workers building the Rockefeller Center in New York, 30 Rock, decorated a tree as a pick-me-up for what was happening. It has since though morphed, according to him, and this is true, into a made-for-TV spectacle to sell ads against and draw onlookers. Yes, wow, capitalism. This whole thing. Yes, yeah, capitalism. capitalism. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's what this country's based on, of course. But if this pandemic has proved anything, are we ready to say, like, maybe we shouldn't be continuing traditions like this? I mean, you're basically cutting down a tree in the middle of the wilderness that we, by the way, this time we found an owl in the tree. We basically ruined his home. But the owl is okay. The owl is okay. The owl is safe. I saw the story. We transported this owl to Manhattan where Mm. he was probably triggered and traumatized. Now he's at a wildlife center or whatever. Yes. But does that make it okay? Here's the thing. You tree huggers get on my nerves in all honesty. You know, I hate capitalism too. I think it's stupid. Um, But also money we use to pay our bills. Also, this part of capitalism, when it comes to the Christmas tree and the lights and just the spectacle, it really takes people away, especially in the middle of a pandemic. It feels like we need it more than ever now, just like we need the Macy Day's Parade, which is one of my favorite spectacles that is all about capitalism. But guess what? It makes me happy. I'm sorry. First of all, the that Christmas tree looks like the tra- Charlie Brown tree. It looks very well, yeah, they bad. They didn't even get a good tree. <laughs> that's my real concern here. But I think that's what they get. Nature was like, F you. You're not getting a good tree anymore because we're sick of you cutting us down. So listen, the Macy's Day Parade, I get it. I get we all need a distraction and escape right now, a spectacle. It's not about shutting down the holidays. This is not what this conversation That's is about. That's what I'm hearing. It's about making more responsible decisions as to how we're going to celebrate this. By the way, there are other options. You can just decorate the area and have like an amazing light show, but that uses a lot of electricity. Are there still. vegan trees? Do we need to find a vegan not, tree that's not a real tree? Or like, wait. You plant a new tree in the area so that it grows and then we decorate it every Christmas. If I'm planting a new tree, that means I'm I'm decorating a seed, Shira. There's not, no, what do you it's mean? it's going to take some time. Okay, no, no. I'm not going to decorate branches with no greenery. I want the full moment. I want all of the nutcracker dancing in front of the tree. I need it and I want it. And y'all can KMA. Well, you know what? The nutcrackers are going to have to wear masks now. So yep. you're not going to even get your nutcrackers. Even right more beautiful. Even more and poetic. So let us know what you think. Hit us up on social media at LGT show. Uh, do you agree with Ryan or with me? Because, you know, I think it's time to let go of it. Uh, move on. Why are we so attached? Think about it. This is the same woman who don't want to eat meat during Thanksgiving. That's like the main dish during Thanksgiving. She talking about vegan, uh, vegan stuffing. Oh my God. You know what? That stuff is really good. Don't take her okay. word for it. Coming up next, we've got what's trending this hour. Geraldo is suggesting that the COVID-19 vaccine should be named after Trump. The clip after this. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Coming up on the show, we are bringing down the different types of COVID-19 testing out there and which are most effective. Ooh, this is interesting. The science of it all. I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, and also it's definitely important as we go into Thanksgiving or these the holiday time where people are going to be trying to get together maybe safely. Yeah. In some way. And so, like, how do you do it? Is it possible? You know, I've still never experienced a COVID test up my nose. I've only done oh, really? I've only done one by spitting in it. And so I'm interested in knowing what type of one that I did, because it was very rapid. It was very quick. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing with your life? You haven't gotten that thing up your nose, Ryan. No. Get with the program. No, I'm sorry. I'm an individual. I, I like to be on the outside. <laughs> Okay, let's get into some what's trending this hour. We've got some interesting stories for you. Geraldo was on Fox News and suggested that the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine, should be named after Trump. I think I had an idea, uh, you know, uh, when with the world so divided and everybody, you know, telling him he's got to give up and time to leave and uh, time to transition and all the rest of it. Why not name the vaccine the Trump? You know, make it like, have you gotten your Trump yet? (laughs) No, it would be a nice gesture to him. And years from now, it would become just a a kind of a generic name. Have you uh, got your Trump yet? Oh, yeah, I got my Trump. I'm fine. Uh, You know, I I wish we could honor him in that way because he is definitely the prime architect of this Operation Warp Speed. And and, but for him, uh, we'd still be waiting, uh, you know, into the grim winter for uh, uh, for these amazing, uh, miraculous medical breaks. I mean, call the vaccine Trump and only half of Americans will basically take it but Gerardo's just as much of an idiot if he thinks naming the vaccine after trump is going to one think it make him some type of hero and then also make people want to take it you must be out your mind it's like a consolation prize right it's like oh you lost so we feel bad we're gonna give this one to you that's not how it works i hate this place i hate it here as the kids say Now let's move on, though. Federal appeals court judge Merrick Garland is under consideration to serve as attorney general in the administration of President-elect Joe Biden. NPR is reporting this. Garland is 68, and he is the widely respected former chief judge of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. He launched his career at the Justice Department decades ago. And another Republican has gotten COVID-19. Senator Rick Scott from Florida announced this morning that he had tested positive for COVID-19. At least eight members of Congress have now tested positive for the virus, according to the New York Times. Scott said he had been quarantining at his home in Naples, Florida, since last Friday after he came into contact with someone who had tested positive. He said he's experiencing mild symptoms and encouraged his constituents to practice COVID-19 precautions like wearing a mask and social distancing. Uh, Meanwhile, if you remember some months ago, Mr. Scott opposed a mask mandate, but argued that everyone should choose to wear them. You know, it's so funny when, you know, these Republicans end up getting COVID-19. They're uh, like kind of press release after it, announcing it. They all automatically say, well, you should wear your mask. You should social distance. But why weren't you doing that in the first place? Do you see how real this thing is? Are you that dumb that you had to touch the hot stove and get burnt before you realize that maybe you shouldn't do it? I mean, true. We should all be listening to Chris Christie. Or me. As uh, somewhat being um, 
you know, ironic with that. Yeah, uh, like know, most lawmakers, he has taken off his mask when speaking at a microphone. In the past month, reporters at news conferences have actually started insisting that lawmakers keep their masks on. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my God. In the T-Report, we're about to talk about one lucky bride-to-be and the celebrity that paid for her wedding dress. So let's dive in. Missy Elliott, are you kidding me? Um, she paid for a stranger's dream wedding dress after seeing oh. an emotional story on Twitter. So the woman, this bride-to-be, she actually shared a photo of the wedding gown she wanted. It was a $1,300 off-the-shoulder dress from David's bridal. Um, but she posted this saying she didn't know she could afford it. And so it got so big, everyone was retweeting it because she also um, tweeted out a cash app, like her cash app being like, hey, mm-hmm. if you have any extra money, you if you want to donate, please give me a, you know, give me some coin. Well, Missy Elliott saw it and immediately replied and was like, early congratulations. May God bless you both with an unbreakable union and full of love and happiness. And so at that point, you, she's just freaking out because Missy Elliott saw her story and was like, yes, please. Well, then a little bit like later, Missy Elliott replies back to it saying, your dress is paid for now. I don't know you, but I saw you said the dress of your dreams and I figured I would help when I saw you post your cash app. May blessings pour on your beautiful wedding day with your future husband. Are you kidding me? What a random act of kindness. Like that is just so beautiful. I love that. That is very cool. And uh, the bride-to-be, she actually told TMZ that she broke down in tears when she saw the money come through, adding that Elliot literally made it possible for me to have my dream dress and be confident on the most precious day in my life. And guess what? She also invited Missy Elliott. So who knows? Missy Elliott (laughs) might pop up. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's your tea report. I got more coming up next hour. I love it. A bit of a Yaz queen, too. Very cool. Now, coming up, we have the founder of the first ever housing building devoted to the black trans community. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Queens is now the home of the first ever multiple dwelling housing complex dedicated to the black transgender community. It's all because of the work of Glitz. Inc., a grassroots organization dedicated to supporting the LGBTQIA community internationally. Now, the ribbon cutting for Glitz One South, this is the place, the complex happened as Transgender Awareness Week began. And joining us right now is person behind it all, Cayenne. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for this. This is a big day as well because it's Transgender Day of Remembrance. And can you share what a day like this means? to you it hurts this is a day that i don't this is a week because mm. this is not just a day this is a week and it goes on all year where girls and guys are taken away from us because of the elements of life because of policing because of society it's just a day unfortunately we have to recognize it but how horrible is it that we have to recognize that our people have been murdered or taken away from us way too soon. And you're creating a beautiful home for those individuals to be safe. Tell us about the significance of opening this property. Oh, God. The main thought was leadership. Mm -hmm. The main thought was leadership. And people are quite, they have their own opinions about what this should be. I would never open up a home to something that doesn't stand for the values I have. I'm trying to create leaders that'll do this work. When my old black trans ass is no longer here, someone is still here to do it for me. 
and do it for them and mm. do it for us. That's amazing. And, and what you're doing is so incredible. Was this always a mission of yours, Cayenne? I would say a good 30 plus years when you have been through the elements of being homeless. I don't know about everybody else that have went through it. Game plan started the day that I realized I was sleeping on the A train. That was a rude awakening. The second rude awakening was while I was sleeping on the train, I was punched in the face and my chain was snatched. That pretty much told me to get off the train, but also where do I go from there? Do I go to a shelter that's only going to house me with men? Because that's what happened back then. There were no options at all for my work, for anything. There was even, there were no thoughts of work because transgender people couldn't get a job unless you worked in a peep show or a drag show. You created this. You're the founder and executive director of Glitz. And again, we're talking to Cayenne, who's uh, so amazing to give us her time today because this has been a really heavy week, I'm sure, as you mentioned. And also though, celebratory because you got to open up this incredible complex. Why in that location? Why was that significance? I've been living over here for almost 20 years. I haven't ran from anybody. I've not had an argument in the street with anybody. I can walk freely. People look, I prefer people to look and, and keep your opinions to yourself. I'm okay with that. We have been placed in places like New York City housing where we're not safe. Those elements create other elements that create elements of unsafety. I realize that and I realize if I've been safe here, let me try to build leaders in an area where they can sustain and mind their business and have the privacy they want to have in their existence. It's so beautiful. It's so important. Besides housing, are you doing other programs? And I'm we sure have doing, the, uh, yeah, can you please share? We have the COVID um, relief, which I took people straight out of jail into Airbnbs, and they're now progressing and maintaining. And I so, so enjoy and love that program because there are some people that are really getting it, that are graduating and getting all the things they need to do. We have one young man who actually came in with COVID. Imagine having COVID and imagine still graduating, barely could lift his head, but was still doing his midterms and all of that stuff and still made it. That's the work that we didn't drop the ball on this child and let him be in a number of hundreds of people I had to have cremated and buried. The community obviously listens to Channel Q and our show. What a message do you have for the community today? Oh, to inspire themselves, to inspire other people. That's what this was really about, to create safe havens for their friends and their community. Also to talk, talk to your family, talk to your friends about Black trans lives. These are conversations that need to be had because maybe these conversations will stop a group of young men from attacking a young Black trans woman or a man. These conversations will open up flood doors to acceptance. And how can we finally support Glitz Inc.? I, I want everyone to go check out glitzinc.org and yes. uh, find out what you're, uh, about more about what you're doing. Uh, donate, of course. Is there anything donate. else you want to share today? Just, we love volunteers. Volunteers are always good. And December 17th, we're doing a telethon, a sex worker telethon that'll be global. And we're going to have entertainment from all around the world and people speaking. 
about their traumas and trials, but also their pride in sex work. Well, you are amazing. What an inspiration. It's been an honor to talk to you today. Again, I was founder and executive director of Glitz Cayenne. Have a beautiful day. You're an incredible spirit. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, coming up next, we are breaking down the different types of COVID-19 testing and which are most effective. That's in two minutes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. With so many different COVID-19 tests out there, which are the most effective? And here to explain uh, that and more from MD LA is Dr. Naomi Dabby. Thanks again for being with us. Thank you. Hi, Shira. Good morning. Hi. We know how busy you are because the numbers have gone up, haven't they? They, have, they are definitely going up in Los Angeles and everywhere in the country, actually. Yes. Yeah, so what are the types of diagnostic tests out there right now? So there's a variety of tests. And um, if you don't mind, I'll just break them down for you. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the gold standard test is still the RT-PCR test, which is processed in a laboratory. This test has a true negative rate of 90, sorry, true negative rate of 99.6%. So it's basically a negative test tells you that you're hundred percent, you don't have it, which is a wonderful thing. Um, it's got the best ability to check an asymptomatic person to make sure that an asymptomatic person doesn't have COVID. It is a test that takes about five to six hours for the fastest lab to run. But most of the time you would get a turnaround of 12 to 24 hours. The next series of tests are called uh, rapid tests. There is a rapid antigen type of testing, and then there is a rapid molecular testing. The rapid antigen testing was really built for people who are in the hospital with symptoms. All of the studies are with the rapid antigen testing are with patients who are symptomatic. The rapid antigen testings are readily available. They do tend to be a little bit cheaper than the other rapid options, but they're definitely not the right type of test for asymptomatic screening. These tests are really only valid in the range of 74 to 80%. And they're really only valid with symptomatic people because that's how the studies were done. The second type of rapid test is called a rapid molecular test. The rapid molecular tests are closer to the 90% true negative rates. These rapid moleculars, I think they're pretty awesome. And they're probably the way of the future once they become cheaper and more accessible. These tests will run on site, like wherever you are, someone can bring you a doc that will run this test. They basically run a very short PCR cycle for about 30 minutes at your site, wherever wherever you might be. You could walk into a clinic and they would have it. And it would give you an answer within about half an hour. These tests are also drawn from a nasal swab, just like the regular lab test. And these tests have about a half hour turnaround. They tend to be a little bit expensive. They're expensive because the supply chain right now is very limited. It's quite hard to get these rapid molecular tests. Again, we're talking to Dr. Naomi Dabby from ModMD LA right now about all the different testing for COVID-19. And as kind of like COVID continues to get worse in cases, obviously we're seeing across the country, they rise. Do you think we know enough, especially when it comes to the testing? Are testings going to have to continuously change as the virus continuously changes? Well, the virus is an RNA virus and it mutates, um, but the testings, the testings are going to change, but not the type of testings. Like I think the testings will become more and more valid, yeah. but the testings will still be looking for the same things. Right. Like there are the virus mutating doesn't really change what they're looking for in the testing. Okay. What's going to change more is that the testing is going to become much better studied, much more valid and much more available. Okay. And what about the ones that are your mouth? So they are now um, validating PCR tests, both mostly in lab, 
um, that are in your mouth. And those validations are pretty good too. They're not as good as the nasal ones, but they're pretty good too. The best one is probably the Yale saliva study. You may have read about that. That's a cough and saliva test. And that's probably the next best one to the nasal PCR. And obviously as we're coming up to the holidays, people are going to be like, take your test so we can know if you're good, so we can all come together. Is that actually valid? Should people do that? Well, I mean, I'm probably going to sound very controversial, but I will tell you that I am actually an expert at this. So (laughs) since June, I have been um, helping and consulting with events that are tested and done safely. And we've had great success, great success. Now, I don't think it's just the testing. I think it's more than just the testing. I think it also has to do with the people that you invite to your event. I think it has to do with the instructions you give them ahead of time. A great recipe for an event is to invite everybody that you know well and that you trust and probably not a lot of extra guests and then tell them that for about a week prior to the event or at least five full days that you want them to be quarantined and to lay low and not be exposed. And then they can get a test right before your event and then they can come to your event. I have done a number of these events. Actually, for Halloween, we did an 80-person event like this. And we we did some follow-up. So we did the instructions, five days quarantine, test on Friday, the event on Saturday. And then a week after, we did some follow-up and tested most of the people. And all those tests were negative. Girl, I thought you were going to uh, say that you did the Kim Kardashian Island testing. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, yes. (laughs) We've had a number of events actually in LA since June. And we're really quite proud of ourselves for the work we're doing in this area. Like, I think it's really important for us to all get moving, right? How do you do that safely and what is the model? And I have proof of concept. Well, Dr. Naomi Dabby, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yes, if you want to get tested, you want to see what they do, modmdla.com. Now coming up on the show, you'll soon be able to grow your own meat. How you might ask, we have the answer for you next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. You might soon be able to grow your own steaks at home. I don't know what that means. So like from cows, that's what people do. That's farmers. No, hear me out. There's a DIY meal kit for growing steaks made from human cells. Oh, so we're at the part of 2020 where we're turning into cannibalism now. I love that for us. Exciting news. (laughs) Yeah, it was recently nominated for Design of the Year by the London-based Design Museum. So it's named the Ouroboros Steak. It's after the circular symbol of a snake eating itself tail first. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, and it's a listen. It's a hypothetical kit that would come with everything you need to use your own cells to grow miniature human meat steaks. Well, my steaks <laughs> are going to be meaty. I am a meaty boy, and so this is so gross. This is so. I disgusting. don't know. I feel like, to be quite honest, I've always wondered. You know, when you like just kind of sit in your bed at night and you just think of weird things or something, and yes. you sometimes wonder, like. Wonder how my thigh would taste if I need to actually go there, and <laughs> you never know. I, I might get the like actual moment to do this. You know, I have weird things I think about at night. Never that I've oh. never gone there. Although well. you know, so here's the thing: I don't like eating animals. Obviously, I am vegan, vegetarian, and I see the need in the future to have alternative options. Yet it still just seems so gross. The idea of what you're eating if you think about it. Like, how would you not think about that? 
would that turn you off from eating it? What's the difference between you biting your nails? You're eating a piece of you. No, I don't and, swallow. Yes, she does. I watched her like swallow. Juicy and big. I'm not lying. I've watched her swallow okay. her nail. <laughs> so Grace Knight, one of the designers, has said people think that eating oneself is cannibalism, which it, technically this is not. It's the actual definition. No, it is. This is from the website. Okay, okay. growing yourself ensures that you and your loved ones always know the origin of your food, how it has been raised and that its cells are acquired ethically and consensually. See, this is when woke culture just goes wrong. And this is why my conservatism jumps out and I'm about to put on like a MAGA 2020 hat, being like, you liberals are crazy. Literally, <laughs> oh, God, consensually please. and ethically. Uh-uh, I don't got time for it. So before you put on your MAGA hat, uh, you got to know <laughs> this isn't available to buy this product yet. It was created by scientist Andrew Pelling and this artist Orkin Tellen and Knight, an industrial designer. It was on commission by the Philadelphia Museum of Art for an exhibit last year. But the uh, project was made as a critique of the lab-grown meat industry, which the designers have said is not actually as animal-friendly as one might expect. So lab-grown meat relies on the serum for that use, uses animal cell cultures. So this is actually a thing, by the way. This oh. isn't something new. It's just, We could actually grow our own meat, but from these cell cultures right now, this is just a spin on it saying like, well, what if we used human cell cultures? Would that be fine? Wow. I just don't know what else I want from the world anymore. And I, I do know I don't want this. And I think we should just... Uh, Go into 2021 not thinking about this anymore. I think that's going to be the best for us all. I mean, if we don't want to debate anything, just, you know, eat some good veggies. There's no debate around veggies. Would that make you a vegan still? What do you mean? Oh, that? No, if yeah. you're eating human, I think then you're still eating some sort of animal because we're animals. And what about the saying, you are what you eat? So if I eat McDonald's, if I'm eating myself, am I technically eating McDonald's again? We're going into the matrix now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> This is getting very meta right now. Red pill, uh, blue pill. <laughs> an existential end out there. Well, that's 2020 for you. Coming up on the show, Dr. Fauci's message to the country as we get closer to vaccine. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Coming up on the show, as we're continuing to highlight Trans Day of Remembrance, one nonprofit is at the forefront of the fight in Texas, and they are joining us next on the show. Excited. Definitely. But let's get into some what's trending this hour. White House coronavirus advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, said that convincing people who consider the coronavirus to be fake news to get vaccinated against the disease could become an issue. Now, in a published interview with the New York Times, he said that he has been stunned that people in certain parts of the country um, are still considering that the pandemic is fake. Here's what he had to say about the skepticism over a vaccine. We've got to keep hammering that home because for the group of people who are concerned about the process, the process is sound. However, there's another group of people who don't even believe that this is a phenomenon, like they think it's fake news. That's where I have a big difficulty in how I'm going to get to that group of people. They actually don't think that this is a problem, despite a quarter million deaths, despite more than 11 million infections, despite 150,000 new infections a day. They don't believe it's real. That is a real problem. Now, after their White House meeting, Michigan lawmakers said they would honor the outcome of the state's election process. I guess that meeting didn't work out for Trump. He thought, eh. I'll uh, bring them to the White House and maybe they'll uh, 
sway the election my way. Well, President-elect Biden, yes, has still won at 50.6% and Trump at 47.8%. I mean, you know how we do our count, our countdowns in the beginning of the show. We should be counting how many times Joe Biden has won this election at this point. I know it'd be hard to count. I think it feels like we're on like what the three hundredth time that he's won already. I mean, where is BuzzFeed when you really need them? Right <laughs> now, Kyle Rittenhouse, the seventeen-year-old from Illinois who's charged with killing two people during a protest in Wisconsin, and whose case has become fought by conservatives, posted a two million dollar bail today and was released from custody. Rittenhouse is accused of fatally shooting Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber and wounding Gage Grosskreutz during a demonstration August 25th that followed the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha. Rittenhouse is from Antioch, Illinois, and he told police that he was attacked while he was guarding a business and that he fired in self-defense. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right. So we got some television news in the T-Report today. Nicki Minaj is executive producing an HBO Max docuseries about Nicki Minaj. And guess who first broke the news? Nicki Minaj. I'm super excited about this. So basically the untitled documentary series about the most successful female rapper of all time has a six episode order. It will, um, according to a press release, says it will explore Nicki's brilliantly creative mind and tell the story of her personal and professional journey. Now that feels very kind of blanket statement-y. So I'm hoping we get some drama. I'm hoping we get to see the birth of her son. I mean, there's so much there that she can really show us in these six episodes. So that's exciting. Um, Now moving on. All right, so now moving on to some other movie film news. Goldie Hawn is teasing the status of a first Wives Club reunion. Have you seen that film? Please tell me you have. I feel like I saw it so long ago, but I barely remember it. Like, I remember wow. bits of it. Oh, my God. Well, Goldie Hawn and Bette Midler and Diane Keaton are all reuniting in a new film called Family Jewels. And she's teasing that there is a possibility that the trio will be coming back again for a second film of The First Wives Club. So they're already working together in this Family Jewels. She says the script has to be approved. And right now, they've just given us another draft. So I got to read that. And she said, we're inching our way towards it let's put it that way so i mean i'm super excited um because we're already going to see them and their their chemistry and family jewels where basically their characters are forced to spend the holidays together along with their oh. kids and get grandkids so that's going to be absolutely hilarious check that out and yeah honey that's your team report now those are fun movies i love goldie Hawn. she's like her jane fonda all those women like uh, and oh my God, who's like the old iconic uh, actress that can do no wrong? Meryl Streep. Yeah, I almost forget yes, her name. Yes. Man, <laughs> it is Friday, my friends. Oh my, my brain goodness. is just you know turning not here. into Play-Doh. Pretty much. Okay, but <laughs> coming up on the show, how one nonprofit in Texas is fighting for trans rights. They join us next in two minutes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. This week has been Trans Awareness Week, and today is Trans Day of Remembrance, and we are highlighting organizations that support the community. And joining us right now, we're so honored to have the Executive Director of the Transgender Education Network of Texas joining us, Emmett Schelling. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So tell us, yeah, and, and of course, representing Texas with the cowboy hat, so we appreciate that. Tell us more about the work that you're doing in Texas and more about the organization. So next year, we will be officially 
officially a 501c3 for a decade. So we've been around for a little bit, especially when you talk about trans years, it kind of doubles in that sense. In many ways, unfortunately, we still see a disparity where we haven't have not seen as as much robust uh, support for trans led organizations. But I think that's changing. For ten, we're a state-wide trans-led and trans-centered organization. We work from three different buckets: uh, policy, uh, community engagement, and education. And we work within uh, that framework to kind of naturally educate people and to promote and empower them to be become advocates uh, for themselves or for the community if they are supporters, uh, and really understand how policy affects trans people. Obviously, with Texas and trans issues, when you think about policy, right. it's uh, generally in a bad <laughs> sort of mm-hmm. connotation, uh, kind of defensive work. Um, but we are looking forward and uh, hoping that we can push forward with some more proactive policy uh, wins. Yeah, how's your process uh, had to pivot with the pandemic? Because obviously you probably can't meet up with people. It just can feel a little bit more difficult and possibly overwhelming. Everybody is just struggling this year. Yeah. 2020 is, is the year that nobody wanted. And here it is just sticking around with numbers just climbing it it really doesn't seem like the country uh, has any idea of what (laughs) what kind of control we're going to have on what timeline we officially made the decision that we're going to do virtual lobby day for the first time uh ever (laughs) so wish us luck (laughs) uh we've seen the lobby day uh since i came on as ed uh 2019 i think we had between 450 and 500 uh, folks from throughout the state come and speak to their elected representatives and uh, come to Austin. So we're going to see how that goes uh, on a virtual kind of platform. But uh, because the trans community often is at a higher rate for getting COVID, for uh, it affecting us uh, more extremely, and you know all, all of the ins and outs with uh, lack of access to healthcare and the system uh, and everything that I think people unfortunately are well aware that either they're experiencing or their neighbors uh, because trans people uh, often are um, in situations where like a state like Texas, we don't have housing, employment uh, kind of laws. So we can be fired for being trans. We can be kicked out of our homes for being trans. And it's a dire situation, I think, across the board. And then when you look into the BIPOC trans community, obviously you're, you're looking at multiple different avenues of impact and oppression. Again, the voice you're hearing is Emmett Schelling, executive director of the Transgender Education Network of Texas. Now, you're bringing up so many important issues, and Texas is obviously a red state, but it seems like it might be getting purple, right? Does that make you feel optimistic about the future for trans protections in the state? Yeah, I think the the most optimism I really get, honestly, is young people, though. Young people are so much smarter than I ever was at that age. <laughs> Same. I mean, I feel like, <laughs> yep. I have a 21 year old and uh, they tell me every single day. Well, first they remind me that I'm boring and I'm irrelevant to cool things, which they're not wrong, but the, I think knowledge that they have um, and, and just the uh, values that uh, the younger generation um, really holds that they believe like, you know, why are we arguing about this? What does this matter? And, and really, 
uh, I think that will be the the more permanent change. They're not in a generation, for the most part, that they're trying to argue about basic human rights and who gets them. It's just a given. Now, how can everyone listening support the organization today? If you're in Texas, any kind of help, well, I guess asterisks, right? Because of the pandemic, Texas is definitely a, a state that's getting uh, hit with it. Uh, we, we always appreciate people pitching in. We have various events uh, that we do throughout the year, depending. Texas uh, does its legislative sessions every other year. So odd number of years. Uh, we always need help there. And then just events in the community, uh, supporting trans-led orgs. If you work someplace and you're in charge of inviting speakers in and that coming in and doing education, you know, that that's important too. So, Well, thank you again for being here. For more, go to transtexas.org. That was Emmett Schelling, Executive Director of the Transgender Education Network of Texas. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. It is time for our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. A shout out to Rachel Slauson, who is the first openly queer Miss USA contestant. Yes, yes, yes. And she is changing the game for the pageant world, too. Queer is not a platform. (laughs) You know, we talk about platforms a lot in pageantry, and this is not my platform. My platform is uh, centered on suicide prevention. And I think the more my family understood like how many kids are suffering, they realized that this was important for me to share, even if it's not something they fully understand. That was her talking to Good Morning America. She also opened up about her bipolar disorder. The stigma around bipolar disorder is part of what made it take so long for me to actually get treatment. Bipolar disorder or any mental illness doesn't have to be the end of the road for you. If anything, it's just the beginning of a new chapter. Wow, that's incredible. I love that she's bringing awareness to that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. And she is smart. She's hot. And I love what she's up to. So a shout out to what she's doing. Rachel Slauson. Not she's hot. Shira, you turn into a frat boy. She every is hot, time. though. She's a beautiful woman. <laughs> she Shira was a frat boy in another life. Probably. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. All right. And also because it has been Trans Awareness Week and Trans Day of Remembrance, we want to give the big shout out to a friend of our show and Channel Q, Ashley Marie Preston, who continues to do an incredible work. Uh, she put together the hashtag trans takeover. Yes. Where They basically from November 13th through November 20th, they had public figures who agreed to lend their Instagram platforms for takeovers from trans and non-binary activists throughout the week. So she got people like Demi Lovato, Jane Fonda, Kelly Osbourne, uh, Frankie Grande, Padma Lakshmi. I mean, all these celebrities on board for these uh, takeovers. I'm so inspired. I'm so inspired by Ashley. If you know Ashley Marie Preston's story, it is a story to know. And she's just so incredible to see where she's come from and what what she's doing and continuing to do. I'm telling you, she's she's fabulous and we love to lift her up and have her on the show and hopefully she'll come back on soon. Definitely. And that was our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes Queen! That was the Ultra Friday Yaz Queen of the Day. (laughs) We are back on Monday weekdays here for you right here on Channel Q Live, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Coming up on Monday, now that it seems like we might be going into lockdown, how to safely create a pandemic pod with friends. Oh, no. If I'm going in lockdown, I don't want to see nobody. But, you know, Shira, this is for you. You know, you haven't followed no type of, no type of rules. That's not true. Not true. (laughs) Plus, how TikTok is doing a better job at predicting outbreaks than the government. Uh, That Okay. Now, TikTok, I don't know if I'm going to give them too much, but maybe. 
Yeah, we'll be talking more about that on Monday's show. If you miss any of our shows throughout the week or interviews, don't you worry because we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the radio.com app and search Let's Go There and find us to subscribe and listen to us whenever you want, Mm -hmm. wherever you want. We are sending you love and light. And honey, you better remember to slay. See you Monday. Have a great weekend. Bye, you all. Let's go there with Shira Lazar and Ryan Mitchell on Channel Q. On the next show, now that it seems like we're going back into a lockdown, how to safely create a pandemic pod with friends. Plus, how TikTok is doing a better job at predicting outbreaks than our government. Listen live weekdays, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Channel Q or on your own time with the Let's Go There podcast on the Radio.com app.